Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast Super Bowl week, and this is a big one. Hopefully, you guys will enjoy it, because I've thoroughly enjoyed the two interviews I've done for this podcast. First things first, big shout out to my producer, Harry Swartout, filling in for Lou Pellegrino. Nice enough to uh, tape both of these interviews for me because we had to uh, go by the guest schedule on this. Usually uh, you can maybe be flexible, but these two guys are too big for that. So if you follow me on Twitter, you know that we're going to hear from Steve Carell today. Let me give you a full disclosure on this. I don't want to oversell it. Uh, Steve has a Super Bowl commercial coming out for Pepsi. And I was able to speak to him through that. 15 minutes. It's not an hour-long, in-depth thing on The Office. It's 15 minutes, but a good 10 minutes of that is on The Office. And we spoke about three episodes specifically, uh, stress relief, basketball, and casino night. And and Steve was great, uh, really shared some insight on all of those episodes. So if, if you're an Office fan, you will like it. I just don't want... I don't want to lie and bait into thinking it's an hour interview with Brent, with Steve Carell. It's 15 minutes, and he was great. You'll enjoy it. And then for Super Bowl week, I couldn't think of a better guest than Brent Musburger out in Las Vegas to talk about uh, sports betting. We got into some props. We got into the game. Brent had some very passionate words for CBS, which refuses to mention gambling during the Super Bowl. Brent, uh, for Brent, got a little heated. It was interesting. So... You'll hear from Steve Carell first, 15 minutes, and there is a lot of office talk. And then after that, we go to Brent Musburger to talk about the Super Bowl and betting. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. If you do, please subscribe and rate 
and review. All right, let's get right to it. Steve Carell, right now. Hi, Steve. Hey, How are Steve. you? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm a huge fan, and I appreciate this greatly. Oh, my gosh. Not at all. My pleasure. And I, I know I have 15 minutes, and I have about a million things, so if I sound like a crazy person during this interview, I apologize in advance. I just want to hit it all. And when you have to go, just say you have to go, because I'll, I'll keep going, because like I said, I can talk to you oh, about it. Oh, I'll be, I'll be really rude about <laughs> I'm going to be rude about That's it. That's fine. We, I love that. Um <laughs> So I know. So we're going to see you on Super Bowl Sunday. But before I I even get to that, we we can see you now. And I want to get this in. Um, you're in this movie Vice playing Donald Rumsfeld. I, I thought the movie was great. You did a phenomenal job. So I want to let people know Steve is oh, in thanks. that. Go see that. What? It, how is that as an actor when you have to play someone who? Uh, it's not a character you create, but someone who is alive today, and we know what what kind of challenges is that for you? Challenges that for you? There's a bit of there's a bit of an added responsibility to it, I think, because um, as you said, there there are parameters to the character. There are there are, are guidelines you have to follow based on the fact that it's a real person. So uh, you you have to do uh, your uh, as much research as you can mm -hmm. and and get as uh, get as get as close to the the persona um, that you're portraying as. Uh, you know, as, as is possible. And, and at the end of it all, it's just your best guess as to who that person is. You know, it's not, it, it's an interpretation um, more than anything else, but there is, there is that added responsibility that you want to try to, to get it as right as you can, because right. that person, you know, that person exists in the world. Right. Well, you were great. Like I said, after a minute or two, it wasn't Steve Carell to me. And I guess that's the goal of an actor. So I, it was, it was really good. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. So like I said, we're going to see you on Super Bowl Sunday. Are you, I don't know. I don't know how much you can reveal about the commercial, but are you going to be playing Steve Carell or are you playing a character? I'll be playing Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if Pepsi um, would want that, but I will be. I will be. I guess I'm. Pl I'm playing myself. Okay. Uh, I. I. I am at least a version of myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's weird too when, whenever, and and I think this goes for a lot of a uh, lot of uh, actors that when you when you see them on a talk show or when they're they're portraying themselves in a commercial, I think it's always a version of who they are, right. if not necessarily exactly who they are. Um, cause uh, you know, I am, I am much, much less interesting than, <laughs> than my public version of myself. I so find that hard to believe. I think I, I would be, I would be a super, I'd be a super boring, uh, character, uh, if, if I didn't try to, to amp up my own personality a little bit, but yeah, a short short answer. I'm I'm yeah. I'll be playing myself. In so and, what can, and I don't know how sworn to secrecy I am. Um, I I assume there has to be a, a level of of secrecy to it. I, was I guess that's part of the fun. I was going to say, is there anything you can share about the commercial? Anything we should be looking out for? Um, well, uh, well, let's start with that. Let me um, ask you this. Uh, Super Bowl, everyone knows what the viewership is for that, hundreds of million. Uh, is there any pressure or you're just, you're over that, you you don't care about that kind of thing? Well, after what you just said, yes, there is now. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, glad, a few people will I'm be watching, Steve. think about that when I was... <laughs> there will be a few eyeballs watching the game. <laughs> um, 
And more people yeah, want to. And more people want to watch the commercials and the halftime show. So you, you, you know, you might be in trouble there too. You no, know, that's that's real. When I lived in Chicago, uh, I had a lot of friends who were copywriters, mm-hmm. and a lot of the big uh, ad agencies for the Super Bowl commercials were based in Chicago. Right. Um, and so the Super Bowl parties that I went to when I was there were generally as as intent on the ads as they were on the game, and you'd have teams of ad ad guys mm-hmm. kind of rooting for their spot. It right. was really it was really interesting. It's, instead of rooting for the team, oh, yeah. you know, they'd be rooting for their their you know their new their new spot that they had written. And in this day um, and age, they get so graded yeah, instantly. Instantly, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right now, especially, you know, you yeah. can you can go online and, and I think find out immediately how how people responded to it. Right. I think it's I think it'll be fun. I think I think the uh, the tone of the commercial is obviously very lighthearted and silly, and uh, I, I you know I I think people enjoy it. It's just it's a it's a fun kind of surprising spot. So, like I said, we'll see Steve Super Bowl Sunday in his Pepsi commercial. You actually have some Super Bowl experience because The Office had an episode that aired immediately after Super Bowl 43, uh, February 1st, 2009. Oh, that's right. It was the stress relief right. episode, which is my all-time favorite Office oh, episode. Oh, my gosh. Well, can you share any uh, memories about filming that? That is, I think, like just you know, I'm a huge fan from talking to fans. I think that's the most popular opening scene in Office history. It's when Dwight sets the office on fire for the fire drill. What can you tell us about filming that scene? Oh well, that you know, that was just that was mayhem. And I think didn't doesn't Stanley have a heart attack yes. and yes. or or he 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 goes down on the ground yes. and I'm. I'm 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 yelling at him to, <laughs> to try to survive. Um, it's uh, and I it's not that a cat like fall out of the ceiling. Yeah, at one Angela point. throws her cat in, like yeah, and it comes out the other into side. the ceiling yes. and then yeah, yeah, it's that was that was one of those uh, you know for for a show that that uh, was ostensibly about the mundane everyday existence of a, a boring office right that was about as energetic a scene i think as we ever shot oh, it okay. was uh you know to have absolute bedlam yeah. at the hands of dwight was really was really fun the, it was the hardest part of that was always trying not to laugh as we were doing it right because we we all i mean we were all such good friends and it, it you know every day was just kind of a party and and the the most difficult aspect of it was to just not, not screw up a take by laughing. I know it was ten. We, we all had such a good time. Right. I know it was ten years ago, but did you remember feeling pressure back then about we're airing after the Super Bowl? This is a big opportunity, or you guys didn't think about that and you just do your job and don't focus on that stuff. I I don't think it, it wasn't. Um, I just thought I, I I think we all thought it was a great opportunity um, to have NBC. Um, put that kind of faith in the show and want to, because, you know, after the Super Bowl, obviously it's such a prime spot and you get a lot of viewers. Right. Um, I think it's such a vote of confidence uh, for, for a show. And it, it just, it displays a, a willingness on, on the part of the, the network to, uh, to help your show out. Really. It's, you know, it, it's, it's trying to, you know, set shows up in a, in a, a firm way with a, a nice solid yeah. viewership. So we were, 
I think more than anything else, we were very, very uh, appreciative that yeah. I think that the show got that chance to get that kind of viewership. And, and keeping this just on a sports theme, since this is the Sports Illustrated Media podcast, um, I wanted to ask you about the basketball episode in the first season. Uh, what, what kind of basketball player, forget Michael Scott, what kind of basketball player is Steve Carell? Let's start with that. Not not that different. I, <laughs> I will, uh, basketball was never, clearly never my forte. Right. Um, you know, sometimes it can be said that it, it takes a, you have to be really good at something to look bad at it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Right. I, I, I was, although there were a couple takes that I, I did these Hail Mary throws and, and yeah. sunk a basket. Right. So there are, uh, there are, are moments of brilliance within the uh, idiocy, I think. I, I read that. But no, I'm, I'm not a, and, and I, I certainly didn't look good in that basketball outfit. Well, you weren't, oh, in the outfit. I thought it, well, listen, you could have been, Dwight pulls his shirt off, so, you know, the, the fact that you left your jersey yeah. on, I think, is good, yeah. good move on your part. I mean, I'm curious, in an episode like that, I would imagine, and correct me, is there a lot of ad-libbing in an episode like that, where you're running up and down the court, or is that, I, I would imagine it's hard to stick to the, the script in an episode like that, where there's trash talking involved and... Um, you know, you're playing oh, sure. basketball. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of room for that on yeah. the show. Yeah. We, we would, we would always play around with the lines and the, the dialogue was so great. It was a really well written show. Yeah. Um, but they, the writers also left uh, and directors and producers left lots of moments open to just play around. And uh, especially, yeah, like you said, especially <clears throat> within a game like that, uh, and there's so many variables. You just kind of have to go with it. I, I've seen that episode probably 15 times, and every single time I see Dwight hit the jump shot, and Michael Scott says, "Dwight, what are you doing?" I was wide open. I laugh out loud. I've yet to not laugh <laughs> at that line. You know, there was a there was a, between takes. Uh, Brian Baumgartner was uh, just shooting baskets mm-hmm. over on the side, and he wasn't even in the game. Right, and. He, it, he's an excellent, excellent athlete in real life. So he was just sinking these three pointers, like one right after another. And I went over to one of our cameramen and I said, you got to just film this. Just turn the camera on. Don't let them know that you're shooting it. And he, they filmed him just sinking one after another after another. And they actually put it in the show because it was just so ironic. Really right. the best player on both teams wasn't even on the court right. and uh and 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 someone that you wouldn't necessarily think was going to be a, a dominant force in the game right right and uh he's you know man brian brian is a great great athlete and uh and it was it was just kind of a fun a fun easter egg sort of yeah. fun find as we were shooting I, it speaking of a- athletes i want to ask you about battle of the sexes as well um but one last one last thing on the office. You wrote the. I just want to be correct. You wrote the Casino Night episode. Is that yeah? Correct? That is a phenomenal episode. Um, when you wrote it, what do you remember? What was your goal going into writing that episode? Because it really, um, you know, it really forwarded the Pam Jim thing. But obviously, Michael Scott had his two lovers there, and the casino, the actual casino 
uh, table game scenes were, were phenomenal with Michael and Toby going at it with the poker and Jim and Pam. Did you have, uh, when you write yeah. that, is it the network or the producers telling you, you know, this is the goal for the episode or you write it on your own as a standalone? How does that work? Um, well, usually the writers would pitch an episode idea and it would get vetted by the producers, you know, head writers and all. And everyone would just sort of come together and, and agree on the, the plot line. Uh, a writer or a, a pair, like a writing team, would, would knock out a draft of it. And then all the writers would weigh in and, and kind of flesh it out and fill it out. So that's generally the way it worked. My, my main goal for that episode was to, uh, as you said, sort of uh, accelerate that relationship or, or bring the Pam and Jim relationship to a different place because they had such a, there was, there was obviously a love and an affection and an attraction between the two, but I figured it was time that, that something happened. And my goal for that moment when they kiss was that, uh, you know, when, when, when he first reveals uh, how he feels about her, mm-hmm. uh, that it'd be messy, that it'd feel kind of real and not like dialogue like someone uh someone professing their love but in an extremely awkward but genuine way and then then when they kiss later on that it just sort of happens naturally and and it it makes sense um and they played it so well i you know that's the that's the other thing with a show like that when when you have really good actors who just um sort of uh inhabit the 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 writing and and the characters it's it's i think it's it was a nice nice uh synergy between the the writing and the acting and the directing i said pretty special i said this on twitter recently the scene where jim and pam go head to head playing poker i mean they're basically having sex with each other at the table just being across from the table with their eyes and body language it was off the charts how well written and acted that scene was yeah, I mean a lot. I I I give I give the actors so much credit well, in a scene like that, and you get credit. But as the well. writing, yeah, up and down the line. Yeah, well, you I get the credit that. as well. Before last, I, I got to ask you about one more Super Bowl Pepsi commercial, but quickly, Comedy Central runs the office basically twenty four seven. It seems like, or as Michael Scott called it, the Comedy Central Roast Channel. Um, do you ever sit at home flipping the chat? I mean, obviously you're a busy guy. You're making movies. You're doing Super Bowl commercials for Pepsi. Uh, you've got kids. I, I don't imagine Steve Krell's laying around the couch watching TV. But if you ever have those down moments, you're flipping the channels and it's on. Do you ever stop and watch it or you skip past it? I, I skip it. Yeah. I, I generally don't watch it. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I don't know. I, uh, it's, I, I don't want to be the guy sitting at home with, with his, <laughs> his career on a loop. Right, you know, right, right. Just, I got you. It get it gets to be a little Citizen Kane, I think. Right. Well, as fans, we as fans, I'm, we love uh, it. Um, so no, why should yeah. that? All right. So Super Bowl Sunday, uh, like I said, Steve is going to be in a commercial for Pepsi. Do you have an all-time favorite Super Bowl commercial halftime performance memory? Anything from Super Bowl Sunday that you will always remember? Oh my gosh, that is a huge question. Um, you know, I think. I think the Beyonce halftime performance was kind of off the charts. Right. Uh, she she is just a very exciting performer to watch because yeah. you just you don't know what's going to happen. Um, 
but every year, you know, I'm, I'm with you on the, the watching the commercials. I'm, yeah. I'm the person who's shushing everybody <laughs> to, uh, to, to watch the parts between the game. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of the game itself, but I, I love to see what, what all of these companies have come up with because it's really, it's their, it's their moment in the year to shine and to come up with something that's not only effective advertising, but entertainment. Yeah. And, uh, and so much thought and care, uh, are, are put into these spots that, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's a it's a very um, it's a very theatrical thing, and and I love it. I I love I love the whole I love the game, um, and and the you know do you, the do, ads do you, do you, between the game. Do you bet on the Just game now much. that betting is legal? Would you make a wager on the game? I've never bet on a game. Oh wow! Okay. I I I'm not a I'm not a betting guy. Oh, no, right. I I enjoy it. I enjoy the sports for sports sake. How about that? Look at that. What a concept! <laughs> right, well, I, I the really purity, the purity <laughs> of athletic competition. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know. You, you always listen. I enjoy, you can enjoy the purity and try to make some money. I mean, you know, it's it's legal now in a lot of states. So, <laughs> I, I, uh, I thank you very much for the time here. Like I said, we'll see Steve Super Bowl Sunday. Look out for the Pepsi commercial. And uh, just as a fan, I thank you for all the laughs. You have no idea how many you have given me. And uh, this was a thrill for me, so I thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Take care. Good luck. Thank you. You too. Okay. All right. My thanks to Steve Carell. I had a blast doing that. Uh, Hopefully, one day I can get an office cast member to go really in-depth for a long time. But for the 15 minutes I got with uh, Mr. Carell, I thought he was great. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Show's not over, though. NFL fans, Super Bowl fans, betting degenerates, everyone out there. We now go to the legendary, iconic, all-timer, Brent Musburger. All right, joining me now, couldn't think of a better person to have on this week with the Super Bowl coming up and sports betting being legalized in many states as we speak. The legendary, from the desert, Brent Musburger. Brent, how are you? I am fine, uh, Jimmy. Uh, certainly looking, looking forward to uh, next Sunday's Super Bowl. Uh, down in Atlanta, and uh, actually should be a heck of a game between the uh, Patriots and the Rams. Your first thoughts before I, w- I have some stuff I want to ask you about Vegas and all that. First thoughts when you saw the line quickly go: uh, Patriots minus two and a half total, fifty-seven and a half. You know, Jimmy. Uh, after watching the two championship games, uh, I actually was talking to my wife, and I said, "Arlene, I think the early money is going to come in on the Patriots. Uh, their their win was clean." It was also the last view, uh, the reputation that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have uh, with certainly with gamblers, but uh, across the whole spectrum of people who follow professional football. So I wasn't I wasn't at all surprised. Uh, I do think uh, at the South Point, uh, Chris Andrews moved it to a three and that took all of about 17 minutes before uh a couple of big guys waded in, and uh, there was a hundred thousand dollars bet with the Rams on the three. Three's a magic number, wow. as everybody knows. Uh, if you can get to that, now some of the bookies in Las Vegas say it will get to three next week when the money arrives from Southern California. Others say no; it's going to stick at two and a half. 
and that's what we'll close it at. Last year, an enormous amount of money came in on the Eagles in the week preceding the game, so that even though the state of Nevada had a record handle, they only made a little north of a million dollars overall with the props and the uh, and the point spread. So they're being a little bit cautious this time in anticipation of the Rams attracting the same kind of big money in the seven days before the game as the Eagles did a year ago. Sorry about that. Um, interesting. Do you have a lean yet, or do you have to do some more studying before you figure out what you're doing on the game? Actually, Jimmy, I'm waiting for it to go to three. Uh, I was uh, at a Boyd Casino last night, and that's the one in town, uh, but it's minus 120. Uh, I'm going to wait. Uh, I like to tease a seven-point teaser. And uh, I would take the the Rams plus ten, right? And then I would take the over under number. I would tease it up to sixty three, and I would take the under sixty three with the Rams plus ten. That's that's a standard bet I've been making lately. Mm-hmm. It was successful for me uh, with the Rams. Uh, I honestly don't know who's going to win the game. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I'm not that smart right now. I do. I have great respect. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady beat me a couple of years ago when I had the Atlanta Falcons, and I was not teasing that game. I thought I had a one at halftime, but it's never over until it's over, if um, if you know what I mean. Oh, and, I know uh, what you mean. Unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, I, I want to get into a couple of things with the props, and I want to get into the scene at, in, in Vegas and all that stuff. Um, but, of course, Brent – currently hosting a show and doing everything on the Vissen channel on Sirius XM. I imagine uh, this is a huge week for your channel out there in Vegas, the Vegas Sports and Information Network. I know you're also, uh, there's a big game guide at vissen.com slash big. So this has got to be a huge week for Mr. Brent Musburger. Yeah, you know, um, Jimmy, this is the third the third Super Bowl that VSIN has been in existence and the, uh, the growth of VSIN.com and our point spread weekly that we put out, uh, giving advice. It's been, it's been enormous. And, uh, at the South Point on, on a Friday, we're going to have a free seminar. Uh, Anheuser Bush has come in and, uh, they're going to sell Budweiser's or Bud Light for a dollar a bottle for three hours, uh, in the South Point casino. And, uh, I'm going to have bookmakers with me and, uh, Michael Lombardi, who is now one of our decent most former NFL executive. And we're going we're gonna to sit around and we will talk about the game and the various props that are out there. And then we'll take some questions from the audience. And, uh, and of course, we're on with our regularly scheduled programming. So there's nothing bigger. You know, it's the biggest single betting day of the year as far as sports is concerned in the United States. Uh, everybody, whether they buy a box at a party or they have a $5 or a dinner bet with a friend, Everybody likes to have a little action on the Super Bowl. Yep, yep. Full disclosure, while we're talking about Vincent, Brent was kind enough to have me on as a guest on his daily show there every Monday night during the football Mm -hmm. season where we talked about some prop bets. So uh, I appreciated that. That was always fun to come on Vincent, the great Vincent on SiriusXM with Brent. We had a good time with that. And, uh, oh, it was great, yeah. Jimmy. You were uh, you were great. You won uh, you won almost every week, and uh, <laughs> you didn't know which props we were going to pick out. And Mike Palm and the guys would even come up with the number of sacks or interceptions. And uh, 
roll it out to you. It was, it was a lot of fun because uh, for a lot of the uh, football betters, of course, Monday night, it's the get even special, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly is. Yeah, we had fun, and I, I, I don't know what happened, but I did very well with those Monday night prop bets, so that was fun. Um, I got to ask you this before we turn to the game because I've written sure. about this this week. And it's it's amazing to me, and I'm, I got to get your opinion on it. You spent a lot of years at CBS, the NFL Today, the with the great Irv Cross, Jimmy the Greek, Phyllis. Everyone remembers it, and CBS has has been adamant. They've put out statements. I, I actually talked to Sean McManus on a conference call this week that they will not mention betting in any way, shape, or form, whether it's lines, over unders, even referring to it, joking about it, at all on. Super Bowl Sunday during the game and in their pregame show. Now, I mean, personally, I think it's ridiculous, but I, you 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 don't want to maybe get into it during the game. Nance and Romo have enough to do, but you have like a seven-hour pregame show, and there's so much fun you could have with the props and all that. What, what do you make of that CBS decision? Saying they said it's their policy not to discuss sports betting. Oh well, Jimmy, I think it's completely foolish on uh, CBS's part because they had a chance, as you pointed out, with the pregame show going as long as it is uh, they missed an opportunity to take a camera and have a shot over from one of the places where they bet in new jersey because there has been so much money going uh, through the tunnels or over the bridge over there to make a bet my goodness uh, fans who go to the giants or the jets game uh, can bet at the meadowlands and then go on over to the game that's a story whether or not you approve of it is irrelevant that's a story. Mm-hmm. And you want to see how many people are lined up over there. The interest in gambling, uh, no, no news division uh, worth anything would ignore that because it is part of the buildup. Now, you're afraid of a phone call from the commissioner's office on Monday? You have to deal with things like that. You're a big boy. You pay billions of dollars for that. Uh, people who bet, or even if they don't, they are very interested and who those analysts in the pregame show think will win, and what will the final score be. And that's a pretty easy thing to do. You don't have to linger on the gambling technology, right. but, but or in the terminology and things like that. Uh, but it is stupid on their part. Listen, I understand during the game, I, I got that completely, that uh, you don't need uh, Romo and Nance uh, going on about the gambling, because that's not the most important thing. However, in the fourth quarter, and believe me, I've known Nance for a long time. He knows exactly what those numbers are. <laughs> uh, his late father knew them, too, because I know this. So that he should keep an eye on the 57, uh, whatever the over-under closes at. Uh, he doesn't any longer have to be cute about it. But once they hit a 60, uh, he should be willing to say, and that makes a lot of folks very happy and some others unhappy. That's all you have to say. That's all you need. Those right. of us who participate, and you, and you go on about your business. It, it is far from the biggest part of a Super Bowl. I get it. But it's real. It's happening. And you're sticking your head in the sand if you're an executive. And you don't at least address it. And there should be part of the pregame show. In fact, the last hour should show some of the crowds in New Jersey, because it's coming. It's coming. It, it ain't slowing down, despite the fact that the uh, leagues are trying to backdoor it federally. Sorry, I'm sorry, but that ship has sailed, and states' rights is what it is, and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of New Jersey. 
Uh, you think you're going to stop gambling on sports in the state of Nevada? Uh, here's a memo. That's not going to happen, okay? So you have to live in the present, and CBS is ignoring it, and shame on them. I, I, and I, you hit the nail on the head. I'm not looking for Jim Nance and Tony Romo to, to, do, to mention the line for three hours or mention the total for three hours. But, um, you know, like you said, when the game hits an over, you throw in a little line there. I think last week um, or two weeks ago, whenever with the, with the uh, Patriots Chiefs, that game going over after being 14 nothing at halftime uh, easily could have been a mention. And I think there's the angle of also you could have, you know, Tony Romo make it cracking a joke here. If Gladys Knight hits the over under on the national anthem would would be a hit with with people watching the game. Now, we're not asking you to do a full analysis, but, you know, if Gladys drags it out and we go over the over the time there. Let me hear Tony say something about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know me, I uh, a long time ago, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. OK, so. Uh, it is what it is, and it, that game would not be as big as it is today without gambling through the decades on the National Football League, okay? And everybody everybody with a brain knows that. Yeah. I mean, I drive by a stadium rising from the desert ground every day. The National Football League putting the Raider franchise into Las Vegas, and you are less than 15 minutes away uh, from a half dozen different sports books that I know of where you'll be able to bet on the game and then, and then go into it. So you cannot ignore what's happening. It's just that they brought around, they brought about a controversy that didn't need to be there. Uh, they could have answered it. So uh, yes, of course we will uh, refer to the legalization of gambling on games in, in precincts other than and Nevada. We're not going to make it the biggest part of our pregame. We're not going to be biggest part of our game, but our folks will be well aware. End of sentence. Next question, please. But instead, they want to bring this controversy upon themselves uh, for whatever reason. Okay, so good luck to them. It's even more jarring when you think about the fact that it's the network of the great Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. Now they're afraid of sports betting. (laughs) You know, Jimmy, (laughs) when we brought the Greek aboard, I'll never forget the meeting we had over lunch with uh, the then commissioner, uh, the late great friend of mine, Pete Roselle. And um, Pete, at the end of the lunch, you know, he was fully, listen, he used to go to the racetrack all the time with, uh, with the Mara families and the Rooney family. So I knew that he knew a lot about gambling. Uh, and uh, he said, Jimmy, I, can I ask you one favor? And, of course, the Greeks said, uh, yes, yes, uh, commissioner, what, what would you like? He said, would you please not use the threes, the sevens, the tens, the three and a half? And so, of course, the Greek, and there were, Bob Wessel was there with me. We, we agreed. But then on the way back, we walked back uh, from the lunch back to the CBS offices. And, uh, and so the Greek said, now what the hell are we going to do? And so Bob said, let, let us think about this a little bit. And he, and he brought in uh, Bob Fishman. And Mike Pearl, who were the uh, director and the producer of the uh, of the initial season of the Greek, and and that's how we all came up with the checkboard, so that okay, we won't say the numbers, but if the Greek lines up four or five checks on that one side, people will know he's got blowout city, really, you know? and so that's how we that's how we got around with it, and uh, and the Greek would pick winners, and 
and we had and we had great fun with it. Somewhere somewhere in my garage, I've still got one of those old checkboards uh, checkboards around with the. Oh, great, I love and, it. You Great should fun. you should take a picture of that and put it on Twitter. I know you have the Twitter account there. Take a picture of that and put it on Twitter for sure. Uh, before I ask you about a couple of the props, give me the scene in Vegas. I'm curious. In terms of volume, I'm talking about people, not bets, not money wagered, but just people. Super Bowl weekend versus March Madness that first weekend. What, what's a bigger uh, weekend there in, in Sin City? Well, the biggest single day, Jimmy, would be the Super Bowl over March Madness. Uh, a very different crowd, okay? Uh, the demographic for the Super Bowl uh, skews all over the place with uh, a lot of older sports bettors, and then it ranges all the way down to the younger crowd. March Madness tends to attract a younger demographic and they come in on that opening Thursday and it is a festive occasion in the books and a large ovation goes up all around town uh, at the first jump ball on the first game. It's yeah. just huge yeah. for the Super Bowl. There's more a private party atmosphere and all the casinos have their best customers invited and they wine and dine them and they usually put a, a betting kiosk up there so that they can make some end game if they want to or a halftime and there will be fortunes bet on one football game whereas in the ncaa the biggest weekend is the opening weekend uh crowd sometimes it's even less than half for the regionals when you get there and then a much smaller crowd believe it or not for the championship not that we don't have don't have good sized crowds, but it's nothing, nothing like the crowd that will be watching the one mm. game at Super Bowl, and especially with the government shut down right now, Jimmy. And this could affect the live audience a little bit. Yeah, uh, down in Atlanta because of TSA. Uh, I expect an enormous, an enormous influx of folks from California who will drive uh, to Las Vegas. I'm sure that the uh, huh. the hotels are, are booked. Uh, solidly for for next weekend. That particular crowd will arrive in force on Friday night. They'll make their way to their favorite sports book. They will jam at it because they're people who like action. Uh, they will take a crack at the NBA. Uh, the golf tournament will be going on in Phoenix. They'll take a shot at that. Uh, college basketball, any place where they can find some action. The, the March Madness crowd... Uh, it doesn't veer off into the National Hockey League or the NBA. They're focused primarily on, on what's going on mm. with the teams who begin to count down. Now, both huge parties, uh, both a big part of uh, the Las Vegas entertainment uh, situation. I am, I am going to be interested because of the government shutdown. I'm expecting some of the big hitters from the New York area who ordinarily would fly out here to Las Vegas – I'm honestly, Jimmy, expecting them to drive uh, down to Atlantic City uh, this time, just not to put up with the hassle if some of the airports are really delayed. Right. And uh, I think it's a very good story as to what's going to happen in, in Atlantic City. And, and I would like to believe that the CBS News division will understand <laughs> that that's a story, even if their sports division doesn't. Right. And uh, th those are things that affect a lot of people in this country. <laughs> And if you if you go to gambling overall, Jimmy, if you were to take slot machine play, 
uh, table play, uh, sports gambling, lotteries on every street. If you were to take all of that and you were to add it up, the number one recreational event in this country would be gambling, no doubt about it. If, for the state of denial that's going on, I, I just shake my head. I don't quite understand it. Yeah. I can't imagine the crowd there on Super Bowl weekend because I used to go. This is, a, I mean, we're talking maybe 10 years ago. I used to go every single year in March for the tournament with my buddies, and I would be in awe at the size of the crowds there. I mean, the games obviously out there would start at 9 a.m., and if you weren't at the bucket 7 to get a seat, you're standing the whole day. So I can't imagine Super Bowl Sunday uh, in Las Vegas. Right. And the, then, uh <clears throat> Good. You know, Jimmy, the uh, the interesting thing, you're talking about that, and you're absolutely right, you had to get in. Goodness, I can remember, um, after I was no longer calling the Final Four, I can remember having to get up at 6 o'clock to get a, uh, to get a <laughs> seat to watch the opening of March Madness. Now, the other line that's unbelievable is just before the start of the Super Bowl, the line's at the counters, Okay. Uh, for people trying to just to get a maybe a twenty dollar bet, uh, not necessarily the twenty thousand dollar betters. You know, they get in a little bit earlier. But the, but the guy who just wants to have a ticket, maybe he's never bet a sporting event, and then afterwards, afterwards, the people who are lined up to cash their tickets, it goes on for a couple of hours through the night. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a, if you've never been there for the tournament, I can't recommend that enough. And then obviously, as Brent's saying, the Super Bowl is quite a spectacle. So if you can make it out there one year for that, um, everyone should partake. And of course, uh, check out Brent when he's doing his Vissin show on Sirius XM. Uh, let, let me throw a couple at you before I let you go here. Um, let me well, let me start with this. Do you have any props you're eyeing right now? Is it still too early? Did you do you do the coin toss, the anthem, MVP? Do you have your eye on anything? You know, uh, Jimmy, I love the uh, the anthem prop, but we can't bet it in Nevada, and I really haven't bet uh, globally or offshore in a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So I am all about the coin toss because I like action early, <laughs> and it's a minus one hundred two heads or tails. Yeah, and the book always needs tails. Okay, people, uh, the the. The bet is usually heads by about 75 or 80 percent of the better. So for my friends in the desert, I always say, I'm going to bet tails for you guys. I know you need tails. OK. <laughs> and so I, I will be there. And a cheer will go up or a groan. Uh, I've always liked the safety. I bet once upon a time we get about plus 800. Now it's down to plus 550 yeah. for a hundred dollar bet. Uh, I will be in on a safety. And because of overtime of the two championship games and the fact that I think this is going to be close, although you never know about a Super Bowl, I'll take, will a game go into overtime? Yes is plus 600. No is minus 900. I'll take the plus 600 uh, just to have that going forward. Now, the one, the one individual prop that I'm keeping an eye on it because uh, they, they opened it at the Superbook will be Todd Gurley's over-under number. Okay. Um, they put it, I think they started at around 60. I wasn't there when they opened it up. And I know that the crowd bet it under, okay? So I'm waiting for that because when it gets down there, I'm going to go over on Gurley because I don't think he's hurt. Uh, I think McVay went away from him mm -hmm. in the championship game. He also, um, during over, he threw a hellacious block late in that game. <laughs> So I think he's healthy, yep. and I think against Belichick and that defense of the of the Patriots, the Patriots will be hell-bent on shutting somebody like Anderson down, 
taking away Edelman on those crossing patterns, I mean, uh, taking away the crossing patterns with their former receiver, Cooks. So I'm going to come in on Gurley, and uh, I will come back with the over. That's the one individual that I'm looking for. But I want I want the money to show up on the under because that's what people are thinking with him. Right. And I'm just – Jimmy, I'm a contrarian. Mm-hmm. So doesn't mean it's going to happen for me, but that's the way I'm going to go. Now, uh, MVP of the game, Brady, even, Goff, 2-1, to one, Sony Michelle, and your guy there, Todd Gurley. 16 to 1, uh, Edelman Cooks, Robert Woods 30 to 1, Gronk, James White 40 to 1, and then you have a bunch of others. Anything there, uh, intrigue, Brett Musburger? You know, Jimmy, I stay away for the MVP because most of the time it goes to the winning quarterback, okay? And it's just kind of an automatic vote. Um, I've never thought that they really honed in and gotten the true MVP and some Super Bowls. I think they need a little more time to reflect on it and, and make a bigger ceremony the day after the game, mm-hmm. after a group of experts gets to for, – for example, uh, let's say that Aaron Donald gets uh, shut down by uh, an offensive lineman for the New England Patriots. That, that's critical to giving Brady a half a second or a second more time in the pocket, but he'll never get the credit deserved. I, I kind of shy away for the MVP because it just seems kind of, if the Patriots win, does anybody think it'll go any place except, except to the goat, Mr. Tom Brady? I, uh, I mean, he's had such a great career. Yeah, I agree with you there, but I would say this. Uh, if you just, listen, if the Patriots win, like you said, Brady's going to get it. But if you're looking for value where maybe you get lucky, Gronk at 40 to one intrigues me because a lot of people in his inner circle are saying this could be his last game ever. I could see him having a, a huge game here. Now, listen, if he has a huge game, that means Brady has a huge game. But maybe you take a chance on 40-1 to one with, I think, the best tight end in the game. But yeah, if, you, if you're looking for value, I don't disagree with what, uh, with what you're saying. Yeah. I don't look for value. I look to cash a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I have to say, in terms of value and cashing a ticket, I'm a little bummed because I, made a, I, I cashed a bunch of tickets last year. Um, on will there be a missed field goal or extra point? And will this is a wild one? Will any kick hit a crossbar upright? And I wanted to maybe relive the magic this year, but because the kickers in the game are so good with zero line, the uh, you're not getting good odds at all on that. So I got to pass, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. And uh, from those paying attention to injuries, and and I think the Rams are telling us the truth. But the zero line has been wearing a uh, boot on his left foot. Uh, that's that plant foot. Yep. Uh, obviously, he strained something a little bit. Uh, he was magnificent for the Rams. Uh, lost, lost amidst the controversy. Exactly. Yep. Because of the botched call. Yep. Is how well he kicked uh, for the Rams and how well Jared Goff played uh, down the stretch for the tying field goal and then again in overtime. Uh, that's been lost, but those were two fine, fine performances. Couldn't uh, agree by more. Ram players. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Last one, and then I'll let you go because I, I love this, and I think you'll have a good take here. There's two here, I think, for value and cashing a ticket. Will there be a two-point conversion attempt? Yes, plus 145. Will there be a successful two-point conversion? Plus 250 on yes. Now, I think uh, if I'm you're going to... yes. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going yes, Jimmy, on both yeah. of them. Yeah, me too. Uh, because, uh, listen... Out of the blue, I've seen coaches go for for two points. Now I'm 
I'm old school, and I think you need to go when you have to have it. Uh, I know that uh, the analytics crowd disagrees with me, uh, and sometimes they're right, and sometimes I'm right. Um, but I'm going to go on that again, uh, based on uh, the idea that this is going to be this is going to be a very competitive Super Bowl, yeah. and at some point, both good field goal kickers and the numbers get skewed a little bit. Somebody is going to want to go for two points, and given given how, especially in Brady's situation, how good he is at looking at that defense when he comes up to the line of scrimmage, I'm going to bet yes on on both of them because I do think I do think you can cash a ticket, and I do think there's value there. I agree with you. Okay, great, love it. I think I think I'm with you. Everything you said there, uh, appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I couldn't think of a better guest to have this week leading up to the Super Bowl. And uh, everyone out there, check out Brent on Vissin on SiriusXM. You can also get the Vissin Big Game Guide at Vissin, V-S-I-N dot com slash big. Brent, you have, I assume you have shows all week leading right up to Sunday? Yeah, we've got shows, uh, Jimmy, let's see, New York time. We're on at uh, 6 o'clock, 3 o'clock out here Pacific time for a couple of hours. My guys in the desert. And uh, good luck to you. I know you like to... Uh, you like to take a chance on the Super Bowl, and uh, we will certainly be talking to you along the way, my guys in the desert. Oh, I look forward to the voice of New York, Jimmy Trina. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Thank you, Brent. Take care. Enjoy it. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right, that wraps up this edition of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. A thrill for me. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. My thanks to Steve Carell, Brent Musburger, my fill-in producer, Harry Swartout, my regular producer, Lou Pellegrino, because he will put this together. He did put this together. So I appreciate everyone's help with this one. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll see you next week right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.